you use cupping as a means to try to standardize and objectify your evaluation uh, and, and make your evaluation process as objective as possible and kind of take your own personal preferences out of it so that you are scoring that copy with a blank slate. There's no preconceived notions about it. So it's just you in the cupping form. This is Coffee 101, brought to you by Humble Coffee. I'm Kenneth Thomas, and every week, my coffee friends and I are bringing you the absolute best coffee education you can find out there in the coffee verse. If you're new to the show, where have you been? Go back to the first episode and learn, learn, learn. Get your learn on to get to this point. Coffee 101 is designed to build your coffee knowledge in a chronological order from the ground up. Coffee 101, your coffee game just leveled up. Season 1 takes us on coffee's journey from seed to shelf. On the show today, we are talking about cupping. And you're thinking, wait, is that that thing that they do in the Olympics? where they put like little suction cup looking things for recovery on their body. Like, what is this coffee cupping? And I have Katie in the studio with me today, as always. Hey, Katie. Hey. Okay, first of all, I like how at first it was just like, oh, yeah, I'm back. But now I'm just here for the ride. What do you mean? Well, you are. You're the co-host now. I wasn't, though. Yeah, but, I mean, you are now. You're legit. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> yes, yes. We can all agree, 101ers, that Katie makes um, Coffee 101 a lot more fun. I'm, I'm kind of the dry, like, info guy. I don't know what I am. But you're here. But I'm here. But you're like a Coffee 101er. You are. Yes, I'm like all of you guys know nothing about this. Um, but you're learning. But I'm learning. Yeah, and you got a little edge on I'm you. here to, like, humble people and be like, Or Look, humble people. There was no uh-huh. need for that. Pun. Yeah. Anyways, but yeah, back to the Olympics. I've I don't even know what you were referring to. So to there's be this thing. Okay, let me show you. Okay. Oh. Okay. I don't know how I feel about this. Yeah. So. It's, oh, gross! Is that their skin? Yes, that's oh, their skin. No. Uh-uh. And uh, this is like people how use this um, as like part of uh, recovery. Um, it's a really old way of, we'll say, easing back pain, neck pain, headaches, other problems. And so for whatever reason, I've seen it a lot, like in the Olympics. Oh, my goodness. Please, everyone, look up cupping therapy right now. And be freaked out. I feel like you'll either be amazed or you'll be terrified. Yeah, I'm, which which you're amazed, I'm, right? I'm both. Oh. I'm like amazed yet terrified. Gotcha. But we're not talking about that kind of cupping today. Can you tell them what in the world coffee cupping is? You want me to tell them what it is? Well, in your words, Hmm. and then I will redirect. I'm trying to figure out a word for like tasting the coffee very briefly. Is there a word for that? Uh, Cupping. Oh, there you go. Anyways, so you're trying to like sip the coffee or whatever and get the flavor notes. Yeah. That's... Yeah, that's my um your thing. My yeah, my okay. definition. All right, so let me just add a little bit to it. Good so, idea. So cupping with coffee, if you think about it, we still have a product that we have manipulated and we're trying to standardize it. Either we're trying to standardize it through 
testing it beforehand to see what it tastes like or what potential it has so then we know what kind of coffees to roast as roasters. But also, once it's roasted, and it's like what we call production cupping, is like, is the product that's coming out the same every time? Or did we mess something up in the roast process or even in the selection process of the bean that gives it like an off flavor or something different? Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. So think about it like this. Like, for example... Where would you want to be a person who works in a business that does all the taste testing for the final product? I already have something in my mind. Where would I want to be? Yeah. Where Mm. would you want to taste the final product, besides coffee, we'll take coffee out, that you could... Taste testing. Yeah, you could do taste testing. Well, a year ago, I would have said probably like cake or cookies, but Mm -hmm. now, no, because... I'm gluten intolerant, and yeah. I would die. Um, but not literally. I'm trying to think. Probably ice cream. Ice cream. Ice cream, or I guess you can't really taste test fruit. If it's good, it's good. If it's not, it's not. This is true. So, like for me, it'd probably be Cheetos. Mm-mm. Yeah. Mm-mm. I would totally be no. like like the taste tester for a Cheetos plant. I could I could see you doing that. Yeah. I no. I'm yeah. good. Not the puffs, like the crunchy oh, original ones. Okay, I was about to because like, the puffy ones like get stuck in your teeth yeah, and stuff like sticky. that, and I don't like them. So, but for coffee cupping, we're actually going to do two episodes here. Um, the first one, and they're both with a guy Exciting. named Andrew. Yep, Andrew McCaslin, who oh, works. I was about to say he has a pretty normal name, but then the last name's cool. Yeah. Like, you can't, you've never brought anyone in here that just has, like, a A regular normal Yeah, like Thomas. Yep. You're right. I haven't. Um, So, Andrew McCaslin, he's, you would like him. He's pretty, he's he's pretty hip and and exotic. And so, he lives in St. Louis. He works with Caldi's Coffee Roasting Co., and they actually have several locations. And his... And it, it's a it's really important to be like the we'll call them taste tester or cupper for um, a company like this when you've got a lot of product yeah. coming out. And so we do we're going to do two episodes with him. This first one is about the actual process of cupping, and then even if people wanted to be brave and how they could do this at home, mm-hmm. tasting coffees, or go and challenge your local coffee shop and say, hey. We would like to do a cupping. If they look at you like blankly, never go back to that coffee shop. If they look at you and you're like, okay, yeah, that's a good idea because they know what it is and they're willing to do it. Just like anyone that goes in the store? Yeah, like go in, go into your local coffee shop and be like, hey, do y'all do any cuppings? Do people just like do that for fun? (laughs) Yes, coffee people do. We do this for fun and we totally geek out about it. Like, we really, we really enjoy stuff like this. You can see that I'm not one of those people. I don't fit in with the clan. That's but okay, I like though, to drink but you're it. still within the general I'm within the parameters, but I'm not like a, um, a, a guru, you could say. Right. But I just like we to all drink have our it. Things. We all have our things that we enjoy. We're going to jump right in with my interview with Andrew McCaslin of Caldi's Coffee Roasting Co. out of St. Louis. Missouri. 
Missouri. Andrew, good morning. Morning. How are you? Good, good. How are you doing? I'm good. You know, I was thinking, okay, uh, cupping coffee. First of all, most of our 101ers out there, they don't even know what cupping is unless, you know, you're talking about like in the Olympics, you know, the, you know, whatever they, those crazy things they do that look like hickeys, you know, all over their back. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Um, But that's not actually what we're talking about today. Today, I am joined by Andrew McCaslin of Caldi's Coffee. And this is actually going to be the first of two episodes back to back. This one on the basics of cupping coffee. And then we're going to talk about the language of coffee cupping. So you'll have to stick with us through both episodes. So this week and next week. All right, Andrew. So, the most basic question: what is, what is what is cupping? Well, I think you know. I kind of separated out. There's different ways you would do cupping, different reasons. But uh, for us in the coffee industry, if we're cupping to evaluate, well, then we're cupping, and we are kind of using a specific cupping form, which yep. is going to a global standard for evaluating coffees. And that would be in particular, usually the SCA cupping form. Okay. So if I'm cupping in that instance, then um, basically I'm using cupping to evaluate coffee and maybe make some purchasing decisions uh, or decisions on what types of coffees would fit and different blends that we have. Right. Then, you know, cupping from, from another aspect, you might use it to evaluate production rows, or you might do it just for fun to kind of have an easy way to taste coffee. So cupping is just a way to evaluate coffee. Uh, and if you want to get even more basic, it's kind of like basically the extension, almost like cowboy coffee. Yeah. You're just taking ground coffee, you're putting it in a bowl, and you're putting hot water in that bowl. Yeah. And at one point, you're going to drink it. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're right. And so um, cupping is... It's our it's our way on the production end, I guess I'd say to to test, which is kind of what you're saying, test our coffee, taste our coffee, and we do have standards. You mentioned the SCA, so that's the Specialty Coffee Association. And up to this point, Andrew in uh, Coffee One Hundred One, chronologically we've gone up through like the farm, and we've gone through roasting. And so now we're actually at the cupping, or really the first time that we have talked about literally uh, tasting the the coffee. Um, and so let's talk about, like you kind of alluded to it a little bit, but um, let's dive a little deeper into why why is cupping uh, important in coffee? Whenever you, as a roaster retailer, that like you receive coffee and you need to make a decision on whether or not to buy it. So you receive an offer sample or a pre-shipment sample. And uh, that type of cupping is important because you are then going to be using what you perceive on that cupping table to make pretty important buying decisions for the company. Um, Especially, let's say, if that's a big lot of coffee, you know, depending on how big your roastery is, 50, 60 bags, all the way up to, say, maybe a container 
of coffee. I mean, that's a lot of coffee. Right. And so you use cupping as a means to try to standardize and objectify your evaluation uh, and, and make your evaluation process as objective as possible and kind of take your own personal preferences out of it so that you are scoring that coffee with a blank slate. There's no, there's no uh, pre- preconceived notions about it. So it's just you in the cupping form. Mm-hmm. And then as you move through your cupping process, you're rating uh, different intensities and different qualities of the cup at different squ- uh, scores. And at the end of it, you know, you might be able, you should be able to use that score to make a purchasing decision that's going to be good for, well, your, your coffee lineup, your blends, and overall your, the consumers that are going to be drinking that coffee. Um, and so that's why it's important. It's going to help you make an educated and informed decision about that coffee. Um, the other side of that is it also allows you to basically put into a number what you think about that coffee. Mm-hmm. And then that information can then be sent back to producers, importers, exporters, and it can help them make better decisions about what coffees to possibly offer you in the future, right. uh, what kind of flavor profiles you're looking for. Um, and then the producer maybe can take that and use it to evaluate different things they're doing on the processing end possibly, or uh, look at what, you know, if they are in a relationship with you as a, a roaster, then maybe things that they might be, be able to offer you in the future that more are more suitable to your taste. Yeah. That's kind of maybe on that evaluation side, why cupping would be important. You know, and um, yeah, so that's interesting. So the a couple of things that come to mind for me is like if you have um, a relationship with a farm or a farmer or an estate and they're and in the in the coffee world, we talk about cupping scores and usually in specialty that's 80 or 82 or even 83 and above. Um, rarely you'll see some in the 90s, but usually it's somewhere there in the mid to high high 80s. And, um, you know, they may have something that is 86 across the board and then you get it in one year and it's uh, 83 and it's the same people cupping it. Um, and so, so yes, that, that feedback I think is good. For the farm, for the farmer, um, and it might be able to tell you something, um, and you know, and it, it might be as little as they change their processing method by two hours, or you know, something like that. Um, but um, it, it goes backwards as far as feedback, and then forward as far as like consistency and quality. Um, and then, you know, one thing um, myself as a roaster that I see with cupping is if myself or if somebody else who is roasting for us um, just doesn't hit the mark on um, on a roast, they either, you know, they were distracted and they went two degrees, you know, farther than they usually do um, before they, you know, drop the beans and and it could be enough that you can definitely taste, um, you know, a difference in the cup, especially on those lighter roasts. And, um, you know, so that's another area that I think that, that cupping itself um, helps as far as feedback. I think you have to have it. Oh, I agree. I agree. We, we do production roasts every week. I mean, we try to basically are tasting our roasts almost every day of the week in different capacities. Yeah. Yeah. 
absolutely necessary. So tell tell me what what is your actual um, schedule as far as um, the the cupping itself? Because I know that you're like you are the cupping guy um, as far as Caldees. Yeah, well, I'm one of it's really you know me. Uh, I, I think you met Tyler at one point, and then yeah. we have a few of the other guys. You definitely know Daniel, and we're really kind of a team and, uh, in terms of cupping, giving feedback, especially I think with Daniel, who works for a totally, you know, they work, for, he works for Frothy Monkeys. So right. it's really fun because uh, we can roast and him samples. He does the same. And then we can actually exchange ideas because sometimes we're using very similar blends, if not the exact same blends. Uh, but we all, yeah, kind of cup together. I think you know, when it, when it comes to those things like that production cupping, it's just so important, especially if you have a quality management system and you're a roaster, you know, that has to be part of it because it's going to tell you a lot about what you're actually putting out there to your cafes and to your right. guests. Uh, so for us, you know, production cupping, we always cup all of our roasts on Tuesdays, Tuesday morning, we'll cup all the roasts from Monday. And then on Wednesday, we will um, go back and we'll actually cup with Frothy, the monkey, that day. Mm-hmm. And so that's where we can kind of exchange ideas, uh, look at what each other's doing. Uh, and then we're also even uh, color grading those coffees too. So we'll cup and then we'll color grade to make sure we're being really consistent. That's good. Yeah. That perspective. Uh, and then on Thursdays, we actually do uh, another cupping. If uh, we've missed anything during the week, that's when we'll kind of catch up there. But we also do espresso QC, and we have one of our guys who's kind of been leading that that uh, goes to espresso machine, and uh, it may be either the best day of his life or the worst. Yeah, uh, that at least of that week when he does QC because he goes through and tastes our main blend of seven uh, espresso seven hundred, what we call it our main blend for our house espresso. Yeah, and he makes his espresso any single origins that we have on, and then he does decaf right at the end there. So, so does that make the, uh, like if I was a barista, that would make me nervous. Like if somebody's coming in and like, you know, like just testing the espressos that I'm like the shots that I'm pulling. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think we, we try not to, we, we do it in our training lab. Oh yeah. But uh, I mean, for me, when I go to the cafe, most of the time, if I've cupped that morning and then I do any type of espresso QC, 100%, I'm going to go to a cafe and someone's going to be like, hey, you want to try this coffee? And yeah. I have to try it. Uh, it just happened to me today, actually, where I had two or three cuppings. And then I, as soon as I walk into the cafe, I have to drink because I can't say no. Yeah. So, of course, I'm drinking more espresso. Yeah, from because the because you're a coffee person. And so it's, it is, it, yeah, it's hard to say no. It's hard to say no. And it's fun. It's fun. Yeah, it but, is fun. I think I've had, I had a cup um, I had two cups this morning, just regular drip coffee. And then right before we came on, um, I guess mid morning, I had a, just a straight espresso shot. Yep. So, yeah. So we're jacked up. We're ready. I've, I've been ready to go. That's right. That's right. This. You actually, you actually, the, the door was locked to where you are. And so you just like, you just like ripped it off the hinges. Oh my God. I know I've had a good day when my left eye twitches. <laughs> Don't stop shaking. That's when I know I've yeah. been That's good. So the um, you know, uh, one thing I wanted to point out um, with you saying you know you've got 
somebody else there and then you've got somebody at another company that y'all coordinate with it is important to have more than one person cupping um and on top of that for all of you to calibrate with with one another um and uh what i find difficult with that and in general with cupping is that objectivity of I really like this coffee, so I really want to score it an 88. But for what it is and for what I should expect from it, it's a, um, you know, it's an 84 for everybody else, and we always scored an 84. You know what I mean? Like that's yeah. that's one of the challenges I have as far as like calibrating. Um, but it is important to, you know, stick to it. So I, that, that is, I think, one of the harder things to – well, accomplish is just making sure everybody that's on your team, you you are calibrated, but also being able to, like you said, explain, you know, hey, somebody else might come this way, or you personally might even like this coffee more, but, you know, whenever you separate out personal taste and you try to make, and you make sure you're learning to evaluate on a, on a, an objective standardized scale, you know, it might score an 86 rather than an 89. We're an 84 rather than an 87. Um, so that is tough. You know, for us, we go through quite a bit of training with each new roaster that's going to be cupping. Um, and I, you know, over the, I, one of the things I also do here at Colton is training and education. Um, training somebody to cup is definitely, and, and be calibrated is definitely hard. It right. takes a lot of time. Um, and so I've employed different different types, uh, different uh, processes and different strategies over the years to kind of see really maybe what works best or what a certain individual actually takes to. Um, but in the end, the goal is that you as a cupping team are calibrated uh, and then you kind of know what you're looking for as a company based off of, you know, the certain blends and types of coffees that need to go in those blends Um and then also what type of maybe single origin lineup you want through the year, yeah. throughout the year. Uh, but yeah, I think, you know, just to echo what you're saying, really, it is, it is tough. That's what we spend the most time on is just calibration whenever we have a new cover. So we'll be right back with Coffee 101. Sometimes you can get derailed by bad coffee. Maybe you have to put a lot of cream and sugar in it, and then there's that crash after. Maybe it just tastes terrible and puts you in a bad mood, and you drink less of it. Or worse, you skip it altogether. Life's too short to drink bad coffee. So stop drinking bad coffee. Humble Coffee is your answer. You can go to the link in the show notes or humblecoffee.com and we can get you slowly away from that bad coffee. Humble Coffee. Hey, welcome back to Coffee 101. I'm Kenneth Thomas and let's continue our conversation with Andrew. Let's jump over into the the technical like how we run through the the process as far as like purging the beans and then um 8.5 grams uh, you know or like you know that kind of stuff and at four minutes we you know break and um 
can you just kind of kind of hit that um, you know fairly quickly to give people an idea of of what that process actually is when we're talking about cupping and I and I will start by saying this because because we see each other because we're on audio and visual but for this this is actually just audio so uh, cupping and and one of oneers out there y'all can look this up but usually it's just this it's almost like a little little bowl or like a little mug um doesn't have a handle usually but um and we just put um, like andrew said you put dry grounds in there and you put water in there um and there is a method to the madness um but you basically then like you know try or drink or we'll call we'll talk about slurping uh the coffee um with the grounds in there which is like andrew said uh kind of like cowboy coffee but there's a standard to it. So I just wanted to give them that. So, all right, go. So, uh, you know, one of the things with cupping, it is about being regimented and kind of disciplined and how you, even, how you set it up and go through the process. So really the first thing about cupping is the roasting of your sample. Have y'all talked about sample roasting at all yet? Uh, a little bit, but you go ahead. It's not going to hurt to reiterate. Uh, well, I'll just give you, so with, before anything, you, you know, always make sure your sample roast is roasted within 24 hours of your cupping. Right. And you want to rest it for at least eight hours. And this is all just basic kind of cupping procedures. Obviously, some people will change little things here or there. Right. But then the roast level, even for that, and again, this can be variable based on your, your own internal stepping uh, uh, standards. But with the SCA, I know they usually have kind of a plus or one tolerance, but if you do... Uh, Agtron color reading mm-hmm. it needs to be 63 right on that that that's just giving you a good idea what a good sample rose should look like and then once you have that roast um, that roast needs to be between eight and 12 minutes without any kind of roast defects on there mm-hmm. and then once you're done you drop that roast you know you need to make sure you properly bag it label it with everything all the information that you need and then you can kind of store it and wait those eight hours uh, to get ready for your cupping. And then once you're ready for your cupping, um, we actually, you know, you want to use it's eight and a quarter grams per 150 mils of water. Right. So we have most cupping bowls, you know, they're going to have a very specific size set to them. And um, the material of the cupping bowl doesn't really matter. So you can, you, it, well, I mean, I'm sure it would, but I've seen glass, plastic, and, you know, ceramic. Right. Bowls out. Um, but we, uh, called, we use 10 grams. Yeah. We um, use nine to nine and a half, usually nine, nine, to nine and a half. half. Yeah. Our cup of bowls are just a little bit bigger. So we use 10 grams. Um, but the ratio is always following that eight and a quarter to 150 mils of water. Yep. And once you have that, you need to make sure you've got everything prepped. You're going to lay out your cupping bowls. We do, if we're doing a sample cupping and, uh, We'll do five cups mm-hmm. per sample. So five cups per sample um, is really what you need to get a really good evaluation of the green sample that you received. Right. Um, and the reason, uh, you know, when people ask about that, it's really just so you can test the uniformity and whether or not like a certain percentage of that lot might have defects in there, things like that. So you're going to want multiple cups. Right. Once you have your five cups set up, you weigh out your coffee. Your coffee needs to be weighed um, the exact same way in every bowl. So you're aiming for 10 grams. And then at the end, 
you'll set that sample up and you'll have a little purge that goes on top. That's what we, we use in, in between samples just to make sure it's always going to have uh, the same copy introduced to those bowls right. when we pitch samples. So at that point, you've got your copy weighed out. Um, you've got your purges. You're ready to go. So you need to start grinding it. So you really, um, this is kind of be a little bit tough because everybody's going to have different grinders. We use a uh, Malcuna Guatemala mm-hmm. in our cupping lab right now. What are, what are y'all using in yours? Uh, it's Malcuna. It's not Guatemala, but I can't remember off the top of my head the name of it. Um, it's the really but, big, heavy one. I, that's all I remember. Okay. Um, but, you know, there's even standards for that. So, you know, when you grind it, you need to make sure uh, – Kind of if I, you're somebody's just explaining it to you, uh, it might be used like like a a drip grind for a paper filter, right, or something. Um, but if you have the the technical standard, whenever you grind it, and you have a, I believe it's a a, a standard U.S. mesh uh, mesh twenty sieve, yep, about, uh, three quarters or seventy ish percent of that should be able to. Uh, pass through right. a standard size um, 20 mesh seat. And so that actually is the, the exact type of grind you'd look for for your sample. So you have your five cups, you have your proper grind size, you um, grind it all, it's on the table. At that point, right, people should go through, start to get their evaluations for fragrance and things like that. Mm-hmm. Well, then you need to have your water ready. So um, basically then- your water also kind of has its own standards that it needs to follow for a proper cupping. Um, you know, the easy thing really is just make sure it's um, 100 parts per million up to 250, 300 parts per million. Mm-hmm. You're in a good range there. Yeah. Uh, without any odd odors or anything like that. Once you have your water, um, your water needs, you know, I, I think our water tower, we set between, 202 to 208 because by the time we actually get it in our pitchers, it's that temperature is going to drop a little bit. Yep. Yeah. Um, once we have that water tower set up, we set our timer and we are going to pour that water onto the coffee grounds. We're going to fill up our bowl and we're going to let it steep for four minutes. And so every cup on that table will steep for four minutes. Right. And then after that four minutes, well, at that point, then we'll go through, we will take uh, more evaluation of the aroma write down our notes, and then after that four minutes, we'll break the crust, take some more evaluations. And let me say with let me say real quick, with the crust, what he's talking about is, especially with your lighter roast and especially with your sample roast, um, which you may not see as the coffee consumer, but we would see on the back end, um, they tend to be a little lighter roast, and so they're going to tend to definitely – um, well, any, any roast really, um, some of the grounds are going to float uh, on the top. And when he talks about, when Andrew talks about breaking the crust, he's talking about actually taking the spoon and, and at that four-minute mark, um, just pushing those grounds down. And we get a, a big, you know, whiff or smell or whatever you want to call it from what has been trapped in that crust um, as the as the grounds then, you know, a lot of them drop down to the bottom. Okay, go ahead. Sorry. Yep. I mean, once you break that, yeah, you get that final evaluation. That's your final evaluation of your, um, basically, 
your, your, your smells. Correct. You've got your fragrance, then your aroma, break the crust, it's your final. So then you can actually go back and kind of start giving your first score, really, if you're scoring it. Uh, but at that point, you're going to let it rest because if you kind of go through your first pass and you're, or you're the first time you taste it, mm-hmm. and it's just going to be hot. Right. And the only thing you're going to taste is hot. Yeah. Um, so, you know, cuppers at this point, I've met a ton of people with different preferences. And uh, some cuppers will wait 12, 13 minutes. Some cuppers will wait, you know, 14, 15 minutes yeah. uh, before they do their first pass. And, you know, I kind of like to wait about 13, 14 minutes, go around my first pass. Um, because I like, you know, and I, most people, they're going to want to taste it when it's hot to, and then at, all the way through as it cools. Right. Uh, then as you go through those different passes, you ideally are kind of focusing on different things. Yeah. You're focusing on the coffee as what we call like opens up, but really, you know, it's cooling down. And so you can perceive things a little differently. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then by the end of it, you want to, stop that cupping uh when that coffee before that coffee's lukewarm you don't want to try to evaluate it when it's too cool um and then at the end of all of that you should have gone through done multiple passes and begun to write down your notes and then also begin to evaluate intensity levels of uh, different criteria and then quality levels of different criteria as well at the end of all that you're you're, you're cupping yeah and you know what Andrew is saying, uh, when he's saying some of these words um, like aroma, fragrance, um, intensity, uh, uniformity, that's what we're going to get into in our next episode when we talk about the language of coffee cupping. Um, so you you need to make sure and listen to that one as well. And I usually start uh, tasting the coffee around like 10 minutes, but I, I think it's a a good side point to comment that when people are drinking coffee out there in the wild, um, you know, I mean, I, I would recommend not drinking it piping hot. Um, you know, if it's a good coffee, if you get it from Caldi's or um, anybody like that, it's going to be a good coffee. And, uh, um, you know, just let it cool down a little bit because it's going to change. Um, as it sits there, um, and it's just going to get better um, up until it does, I would say, peak. And then, like you said, um, once it gets to, like, lukewarm, then, you know, then it starts kind of kind of going back down as far as the optimal, you know, taste potential, at least for me. I agree. I agree. I always, you know, whenever you score, you really want to make sure you don't wait too long. Uh, part of the reason is, you know, that first pass – that's actually going to be the best time to get that, uh, what you call like that retro nasal yeah. experience. When a lot of those vapors that are going to give you that retro nasal experience are going to be uh, readily available. So you don't want to let it cool too long. You do want to kind of have a nice progression uh, from hot to cool as you go through your passes. You know, and another thing I want to make sure we hit in this episode is the, I'm going to call it intensity of how we use our senses. So like I tell folks that like, um, I mean, because the first time, if anybody's ever heard somebody actually cup coffee, um, if they've never heard it before, it's kind of alarming because, you know, it's these loud or some people, I'd say most people are loud slurpers of coffee. 
Um, and there's a specific reason for that. Um, and then even when um, you're looking at the fragrance or aroma, to me, like, I mean, I, I take a really deep, you know, breath in. Um, I don't know. You want to talk on that just a second? Or when you t- t- take that aroma. So I do with the fragrance and aroma, I uh, go through two different ways to evaluate. The one is going to be kind of a longer inhalation where I will just smell. Then, you know, I try to reset. So some people kind of smell the back of their hands, things like that. Yeah. And then I'll do real small. I call them like puppy dog sniffs. Yeah. I'll kind of sniff um, at a somewhat like uh, at little intervals, a little bit faster. So yeah. that way I, I, I get both types of ways of kind of evaluate it to okay. give me my, my score. Interesting. So yeah. what I do is um, I will take a deep, um, you know, breath in on that fragrance or aroma and some, and even try to keep part of my mouth open to get some more of that, like in that kind of retro nasal palate, whatever, all that stuff back there in the back of your, you know, throat and nose. Um, and then with the cupping, we have these fancy looking, they look like soup, like they look like soup spoons, but you know, they're just these, they're circular type spoons and, and you, you almost hold it like, I would say like parallel to the ground um, and you bring it to your mouth and you make this like quick, like slurp in so that the theory being that it like hits all of this stuff and in, in like that, you know, the back of your throat area and, and uh, you know, there will be people who will cough and um, that's okay. Hopefully they don't cough on the coffee itself. And um, that's the slurping part of things. Oh yeah. We always say it's right up- it's a rite of passage when you're cupping to cough or at least choke a little bit on the coffee yeah. when you're trying to evaluate it. Yeah. Everybody goes through it, even 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 if you've been cupping for a while. You always, when you aspirate, yeah, at one point or another, it's still going to catch up with you, and you're gonna you're gonna start coughing again. Yeah, if you if you don't if you don't cough every once in a while, or and or you don't like smell the coffee so close that every once in a while you get a little brown like on your nose from the from the grounds or the coffee itself you know then then you're probably not doing it good enough (laughs) so tell me about uh caldi's coffee so well caldi's coffee you know we're a roaster retail we are based here out of st louis um caldi started in 1994 so been around a long while um and then, you know, they really started focusing on retail growth around 2005. Mm-hmm. Um, and in 2005, they kind of um, got, we, uh, we had our first cafe, sorry, on Demun Avenue. And that's actually 700 Demun Avenue. That's actually where we get the uh, name of our espresso blend, yeah. espresso yeah. 700. Well, from that single cafe, and again, in 2005, kind of some retail growth really started to happen. But we started, you know, open a few more cafes in St. Louis and the surrounding areas. Yeah. Um, and, you know, uh, with that, we also ended up kind of having our, you know, moving into a bigger roastery around 2015. And that's kind of when I came on at Caldi's. And then, you know, we've kind of continued retail growth. We're in Atlanta now. And so yeah. we have some cafes in Atlanta. Um, and we are, you know, I think uh, opening up our very first drive-through, we're going to see how Sweet. how well that goes. Yeah, and that was, you know, something just like everybody figuring out ways to 
hedge your bets really against another out COVID outbreak or something similar like that. Right. Um, yeah. So, you know, yeah. uh, to simplify it all, Colby's, you know, we are a roadster retailer based out of St. Louis, just focusing on really good coffee and yeah. And y'all do a good job. I think we do. I think we do. And then, you know, if you ever make get a chance to come to the cafes, I think our, you know, our main focus there is really just hospitality and guest service. Yeah. Uh, through uh, medium of specialty coffee. Yeah, no, that's good. And we'll have an episode coming up where we do talk about the importance of that approachability and hospitality. Um, as far as how that then lends to the growth of specialty coffee. Um, and so, yeah, so you're there in St. Louis, uh, Atlanta, and then I saw maybe one in Columbia. We do. Yeah, we do. So um, the owners actually went to Mizzou uh-huh. with no, but I, I try not to hold that against them. Yeah. But just, you know, backstory, I went to Texas tech and you know, they all used to be in the big 12. And, yeah. You know, some of us even went to school right around the same time. So we definitely were probably at a few of the same football games, but yeah. uh, uh, they all went to Mizzou and, you know, we were able to open up a little, a kind of a cool experiential learning cafe on Mizzou's campus in their business school. Oh, that's and, cool. You know, in part, it's just another cafe. You go in business school, get your coffee or get your pastry. Um, but the other thing about it is that, um, one day it's going to be used as a class almost where students can kind of learn about uh, running a business oh, um, yeah. focused in uh, hospitality and, and coffee. I think that would be great. Um, yeah. You know, we're uh, Umble Coffee is located uh, in the same town as Mississippi State University. And so um, we're trying to figure out how same thing we can help as far as um, coordinating um you know, using the university and, and being able to, to help them where we can too. Um, so Andrew it's a pleasure to have you on. And for all our one-on-oneers out there, you will have to come back next week because we'll have Andrew back it. on. Yep. No, I would really appreciate it. It's great uh, to get, just get to talk to you about coffee. Really? Yep. Well, we will see you next week. All righty. Andrew. Love Andrew. I like him. I think that, He's, do you think he'd be comfortable enough if we just called him Andy? No. Oh, okay, never no. mind. No, I think I think you have to call him Andrew. Okay, Andrew is just Andrew. I have a friend named Andrew. I call him Andy. Yeah. Or Big A. Either big one. A. Yeah. Now, he might let us call him Big A. Okay. So what I love. He seems like a Big A kind of guy. What I really, really love about Andrew, and hopefully y'all can see it a little bit here, and maybe you'll see it a little more in the next episode, is... He's a little sarcastic and like, <laughs> like me. Yes. And like, I love, I love like the banter back and forth. Like, yeah. like especially when we were off camera mm-hmm. or off recording. And even when I know him in real life, like he's a little saucy. I mean, saucy people got to stick together. <laughs> yeah. And so, and so, um, I, I kind of delight in that and I'm excited that we had him on yeah, today. It was fun. All right, that's all we have for you today on Coffee 101. Thanks for listening. If you haven't already, follow the show. On all the socials that we have. Yep. Technically, you have to follow Umble Coffee. Um, and because we don't have a 
you know, Coffee 101 social. Mm, that's but true. You can follow Humble Coffee, but follow the actual podcast on yes. Spotify, Apple. Apple Podcasts. Any other uh, ones. Does Amazon do a podcast app? I don't know, but we're probably on there. Okay. So, well, yeah. if y'all have that, then Anything. listen on there, too. Yes, exactly. And we want you to do just two things for us today, okay? I'm looking at you. Okay. All right. Got your attention. Two things. One, tell a friend. Be like, hey, there's this really cool girl on Coffee 101 named Katie who likes to call everybody Big A. Everyone, yeah. Yeah, everyone. And um, you need to, y'all need to listen and get your coffee education on. And the other thing is leave us a review. We've had a couple of reviews the last uh, week or so. And what I'll tell you what I was surprised by is like how thorough they are. Like <laughs> they're like, Wow, I really like how you broke down this subject. And you're no, like, no seriously. Thanks. Like they had like it's a it's like a paragraph. Honestly. And like if I like, were to leave a review, like I just don't know that I would be that dedicated. And so I appreciate that there are people who are that dedicated. If I like genuinely love something, I'm giving them like yes. Yeah. We're breaking this down. Okay. Well, then maybe people, maybe, maybe people they just actually really love it. like it. Yeah, maybe so. So we'll see you next time on Coffee 101, where we will continue our talk with Andrew, and it'll be super important. This is like one that y'all don't want to miss because it's going to be talking about... Lots of vocabulary. Of, as far Coffee as... vocabulary. Yeah. Uh, the aroma and um, how it tastes and... How we come up with a lot of these crazy words like body, acidity, yeah. complexity. So then, um, like your coffee coolness will be just like a level higher than it yes, is now. Pretty much, at least at least one level higher. So we will see and talk to y'all next time on Coffee One Hundred and One. Love y'all. See ya. Bye.